Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. I guess we call it duly, duly Noted Returns, the return of Duly Noted. Sorry I missed all last week, guys. Uh, I was very, very ill. It was a weird deal. Um, couldn't figure out what exactly was my problem. It turned out it was an infection, and everything's on the right track now. I'm not back to 100% by any means, but I'm certainly closer than I was. It was... Uh, I got to say, it was the roughest week of my life. It was really hard, worried about whether it was COVID or not. Got two COVID tests, and both of them ended up uh, being negative. So we finally figured it out, and uh, appreciate Dr. Yuck for for doing that. Two trips to the emergency room, but uh, it was was bad. Anyway, uh, so that's all I'm going to say about that. And I'm only going to say one thing about the Dan Mullen – um, sprint onto the field and the the fine that he incurred. I thought he was over the line. I thought when you go after officials like that, um, you know you're going to get uh, you're going to get a fine. You're going to get a reprimand from the SEC. And um, certainly, I also understand him def- trying to come to the um, you know defense of his quarterback for getting a late hit. I don't know why the SEC chose not to comment on what to me was should have been targeting because you're not allowed to go to the head or neck area with intent to harm uh, a defenseless quarterback. It's it's the rule, and but for some reason it's not the rule uh, in that game, and it, I don't they don't see a need to respond to it. So, and that's the only thing I'm going to say about that. Okay, I've had enough talking about this incident. I've been on a a hundred radio shows and everything, and I'm kind of tired of it, to be honest with you. There's there's more going on, uh, more important things going on, to be honest with you. And guys like to go, you know, lose their minds. And Anyway, um, it was an interesting game Saturday night. We'll talk about that. Certainly the defense playing at a level that we had not seen this year. You know, Mullen had an interesting comment. We had actually had our press conference with him, our Zoom call with him and with Grantham and with Brian Johnson today. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what, what Dan had to say was, look, we, we started camp and there were a lot of guys didn't know if they were going to play, if there were going to be games. And he just, I think he felt like even week to week, guys were like, I don't know if are they going to play that we going to play this week you know what's what's going on with the with the world and uh and again that's 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 a negative on their part they should have they should have understood that either you're going to go all out or don't go at all 
and he thinks that that affected them early in the season. Um, for this game, obviously, they knew a bunch of guys were out, and uh, but they got Kyrie Campbell back, and obviously that is a huge deal. We were just talking to Todd Grantham about it right now, and you could tell that that, that was the difference. That, that, that allowed Brenton Cox to play a true linebacker position instead of being pl- forced to play defensive end. And, and look, in the first half of the game anyway, Zachary Carter was, at, was moved back to end instead of a, a tackle, and he played at a, a different level than he's played all year. Now, unfortunately, he will be out for the, second ha- or the first half of the game because you can't get into fights. Never hit a guy in the helmet. It's never a good idea. Um, so it was an amazing uh, defensive display. I don't think any of us saw that coming. I, I think we knew when Kyrie Campbell was not on that list that they give us right before the game of guys who were unavailable. We see all we could see was three secondary starters and the All American kicker being out. Um, you know, the fact that Campbell wasn't on the list. I, I actually, the second time I went through it, I went, hey, Kyrie Campbell's not on here. Well, I'd heard he was going to play this week. And and certainly what a difference he made because you get him and TJ Slayton both in there. That's a lot of meat. That's a lot of muscle. And then you can move guys to where they need to be. And I think that young secondary played very well. Don't forget there was that early pass that was wide open that could have been even a touchdown. And the guy just flat out dropped it um so they got a break there but but for the most part they really played well and in my mind pitched a shutout because and here's why obviously a pick six doesn't count against the defense the field goal that they kicked was a must champ field goal you're down 30 was it 34 to 7 okay there's 11 minutes left in the game okay the only way you can even look yourself in the mirror of trying to come back is to go for a touchdown there. Kicking a field goal is not going to make anything any better, but they have that little card, you know? I don't know if it's even a physical little card anymore, but coaches look at it and they go, oh, it says here I should kick a field goal. Because, and here's the theory, that cuts it to 24. And then... We had to score four touchdowns. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. But if we score three, we can kick a field goal. So on our four possessions, three touchdowns and a field goal against a team we haven't been able to move the ball that well against. You, you know, again, it it had nothing to do with the game. But I was just amazed that he kicked that field goal. And then the other one scored. They they, they were going up against guys who were or scout team guys basically. So I, I count that as a in my mind as a shutout. Uh, they holding them to three rushing first downs, and this is going to be the key to the Georgia game, okay? Um, if you can hold Georgia to three first downs, that game's over. The game's over, okay? Trust me. And, you know, stopping Larry Roundtree, 40 rushing yards for, for Missouri for the game, three of 15 on third down. It was amazing. And, of course, a lot of other things happened on the offensive end, that were amazing. Uh, Kadarius Tony, I he just ridiculous. The most impressive thing he did all night, and I, I've seen the video of the route that he ran for the to get wide open for the touchdown, and I was glad that I was able to see that because I couldn't understand how Kadarius Tony, after what he just did to you, could be left totally uncovered. But he made a move that was incredible. That was incredible. Yes. 
He backing into the end zone for a touchdown. That was incredible. But the most incredible thing is Nick Bolton, who is a great linebacker and a great player, and up to that point in the game had been the best player on the field. He had him around the neck, and he just shrugged him off like he was not even there and ran in for the touchdown. That, to me, was – I just went, whoa, you got to be kidding me. Uh, obviously, a good night for the Gators. Uh, we'll take a break, and we'll come back and talk more about it. And also, we'll get into uh, some of the other things that happened in uh, around the SEC. Three things, of course, will come eventually. Uh, we got a great – Great guest for Georgia Week, Tony Barnhart from the, uh, you know, you know him as Mr. College Football. He writes for several publications, a good friend of mine for a long, long time. We'll have him on to talk about Florida, Georgia, and about some other things going on in the conference. We'll take a break right now, though. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. Seems like with everything that's going on in the world today, we all just need a moment to chill out. There's only one beer that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Over the last few months, we've gone from no sports anywhere to sports on television everywhere. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or any team. So whether you're watching the Gators, Crimson Tide, Fighting Irish, or Lawn Bowling Championship, crack open the mountain cold refreshment of a Coors Light. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, a perfect moment to unwind. Make sure your refrigerator is always stocked with plenty of Coors Light. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. So the next time life forces are coming at you hard, take a moment, stop and reset, and reach for a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a Gator fan who believes that people should be treated better, join ViStar. Our members have enjoyed friendly, personal service since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when entering a branch. An online or phone chat for those quick questions. And a call center that's open every day. At ViStar, we never forget that it's your money. Proud partner of the Florida Gators. All loans subject to approval. Insured by NCUA. All right. um, One thing about... um, Missouri is it wasn't a great offense they went up against. I mean, Missouri's okay. You know, Missouri had a big game against LSU. Everybody has a big game against LSU. Um, that's that is a story that I I may be the most incredible story of the year. It's how bad that defense is. But okay, yeah, last week or the not 
you know, their last game against Kentucky, they looked, they controlled the game and they were able to get the first downs they needed. They, they scored 20 points, which isn't a lot. Um, but they won that game the way they needed to win it. And that's the way they probably wanted to win this game, kind of the same way. But I'm sure that there was a little part of them that when they saw, hey, Marco Wilson's not available. Sean Davis isn't available. Donovan Steiner's not available. They got some young kids back there. They're starting a true freshman at safety. Let's throw the ball. And they threw it a little bit more than I thought they would. I think they do end up throwing it 40 times. Now, again, when you get way behind, you're going to throw it more. And that allowed Florida to get a pass rush as well. And that pass rush was different than we've seen out of the Gators so far this year. But the bottom line is Missouri's nothing special offensively. So, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, Georgia's nothing special offensively. Georgia makes its living getting turnovers, um, having drives that uh, are, are controlled drives where they're able to run the ball. And then when you, when you, um, in fact, uh, Grantham was just talking about this when you, when you're able to run the ball, then you can do the play action, and your quarterback's not going to be under pressure. But, I mean, to watch the way Florida played defensively in this game, I think gave all Gator fans a lot of hope for this game. A lot of hope. Because I think you believe that it's set up pretty well for the Gators. The Gators have an offense that nobody's been able to slow down. This is by far the best defense they'll play. It's not even close. And, and, but this defense is hurting. They've got a lot of injuries that are that are going to be an issue. Uh, obviously, the biggest one was LeCount. In fact, it was interesting that uh, uh, Todd Grantham on his uh, Zoom call today with us, after the first couple of questions, stopped everything and said, hey, guys, by the way, I just want to send my prayers out to Richard LeCount because that guy, you know, you watch him play and you watch crossover games and – and you're just he's such a great player, and I look forward to watching him play again. But he's out for the game after being in a motorcycle accident, literally like 30 minutes after the team landed on the, after coming back from Kentucky. So it's kind of a weird deal there. Um, I mean, I, I don't. I'm not saying it's. I think I think uh, I was talking to Chip Towers, and Chip Towers will join us Thursday on the Duly Noted podcast. And he said he thinks that maybe his regular mode of transportation was a motorcycle or some kind of a um, two-wheeled vehicle that he drives. So, I mean, just a fluky thing, and I feel terrible about it. You know, it's a shame uh, for a guy to get hurt like that. Um, I mean, foot injuries happen in football, but when they happen like that, you're just a little bit taken aback from it. Obviously, the offense finally got going. They weren't great early. They were okay they got down there. They had to kick two field goals. Uh, give credit to Chris Howard uh, for coming in with, with Evan McPherson out, which I thought was going to be a huge factor in the game and was no factor because he made all his kicks. So uh, great job on his part. Uh, but when the offense got going, you know, obviously scoring those two touchdowns at the end of the half and at the beginning of the second half, and then the game was pretty much over. They weren't going to come back. Uh, at that point. Um, and Trask sets a record for the most touchdown passes um, in the first four games in an SEC record. And think about it because nobody's ever opens up 
with four SEC games. I mean, now everybody is this year, but nobody nobody ever does that. You just don't go, walk in there and go, okay, who do we got this week? Let's start with Ole Miss. Then we go to South Carolina, and then Texas A&M, and then you know Missouri. So this, but that makes that record even that much more impressive. You think of the great quarterbacks that have been through not only Florida, but the SEC, including the guy last year who was pretty good. Didn't throw 18 in his first four games, though. Uh, so that was pretty impressive. Obviously, they made some tweaks defensively, um, but I don't think it was overwhelming. I, it, I don't know that the time off – I thought the time off would hurt them. I really believed it. And if I'd been on here last week, I would have told you guys – I'm worried about this game because I just don't see how a team can take two weeks off of practice in the middle of the year, middle of the season, and then not practice full all week. Um, you know, the offensive linemen didn't they didn't have a full offensive line I think till Wednesday uh, because of the the COVID situation. So I I I thought it was a stunning performance by Florida. And I give them a lot of credit. You know, I give these players a lot of credit because that would have been an easy, golly, man, now Marco's out and and Donovan's out and we we don't have our kicker and, you know, but, but they didn't and, – and we haven't practiced, but they looked like a team that was fresh. So um, it, it worked out. But I, I think there is – you have to be a pretty tough individual – uh, you know, again, I, I, I'm not going to talk about the the brawl or if you want to wherever you want to call it at, at at halftime, and and all those guys are, are I, I'm disappointed in all of them for not just getting off the field. Okay, then again, leaving it that that's all we're going to say. Um, but I give the I give those guys credit for playing well and for in the second half not doing anything stupid and going out and playing. Missouri had four yards in the third quarter. So it would have been one thing to come out and play like your hair's on fire out of your mind, you know, and maybe overreact to what happened at halftime. Or to say, well, we can't really hit hard now because we don't want to get in a sportsmanlike conduct. But instead they played a, almost as good a, I would say, uh third quarter as you could possibly play, giving up four yards. That was pretty darn impressive. And I give these guys a lot of credit for that. So um, obviously that was a win Florida had to have. It sets up what will be a big game Saturday um, up there. It always is a big game. It's a big game. It would be a big game if one team stunk and the other team was good. It would be a big game if both teams stunk. It's always big. It's going to be different. You know, there's no question about that. But look, this is it. You win this game, you're probably going to win the East. You lose this game, you're not going to win the East. It's just, it's a pretty simple philosophy. And I wrote about this a little bit today. Um, I think there's as much pressure on Georgia as there is Florida. You know, if Georgia loses this game, guess what? You're probably not winning the East. You're probably not going to the playoff. Well, in fact, you're definitely not going to the playoff. Uh, it's going to be hard to sneak in. You can say, well, look who we lost to, Alabama and Florida. Okay, well, then we'll put those two teams in <laughs> instead of you. Uh, it, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to happen that way. The only way to do it would be if Florida lost two more games the rest of the way 
and you you won out and you beat Alabama in the championship. That would be the only path for Georgia and, or for Florida. Uh, you know, then your losses would be to A and M and Georgia. You'd have to win out, beat Alabama in the championship game, and hope there wasn't a fourth team because Alabama's in. Okay, Clemson's in. Clemson can lose this week. The, the, in fact, the best thing that could happen, I think, for a lot of teams that want to be the fourth team is that Clemson beats Notre Dame and beats them soundly. And, and, you go, and everybody kind of goes, well, who really is Notre Dame beating? Well, Miami. I'm still not sure how good on Miami is. Um, their schedule sets up, has set up really well for them. Uh, but I, 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 I will say this. I give them credit. You know, watching Virginia play North Carolina, Virginia was an unwatchable offense the week before against Miami. Unwatchable. I went to bed. I couldn't take it anymore. It was so bad. And this week, they're going up and down the field against North Carolina. North Carolina's another team I can't figure out at all. I I yanked them out of the rankings completely. Um, I will say this. Voting in the AP poll has been an adventure this year, not, not only because of the staggered starts, but because teams, once you think you figured them out, forget it. You haven't figured them out at all. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm ranking an Auburn team, and I said, yeah, like I'm going to rank Auburn. In fact, I told myself after they after the referees blew another call, I said, boy, I'm not going to rank Auburn all year because just because it, there's two games they should have lost because of bad calls. I ranked them this week. I mean, that, that was an impressive performance. So we'll talk about that. Um, on the other side, and uh, we'll get to three things as well. Maybe a little short today, but I'll, you know, I'll do what I can. Uh, again, I'm still tr- still recovering. Let's put it that way. I would say that on a one to a hundred scale, I'm about eighty right now, which is damn good. I would say I was about thirty on Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night. When I woke up and my entire bed was drenched in sweat, it was not a good good deal. Um, so we'll take a break and we'll bring in Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, to join us uh, right here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a great honor to be joined by a Hall of Famer uh, and, uh, of course, Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Tony, how are you doing today? Patrick, I'm well. It's Florida Georgia week. It is. You, you, you got to be impressed that I said Florida Georgia, okay? I am. <laughs> now, now, when you go on podcasts up there, do you say Georgia Florida week? Of course. Absolutely. Uh, I just remember it, it was always Jeremy Foley. Jeremy Foley would never let me get away with Georgia, Florida, ever. So I, I learned my lesson. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it is weird, though. The whole thing is weird um, in terms of a, a 9,000 seats or 9,000 uh, tickets for each side and, you know, uh, limited media and limited photographers yep. and everything. I mean, I've been to a ton of these games. I count them up every year and realize that that just makes me old as well. But, um, you know, 
it's it still seems feels kind of weird, doesn't it? Of course it does. I mean, you know, we're used to being in that stadium that's jam packed to the gills and uh, people overflowing and all the tailgating and the parking lots and people going down there. I mean, my my fraternity brothers are going this year. They couldn't get tickets. They weren't one of the nine thousand lucky group that got tickets to Georgia. But you know what? They're there now. Okay, they're there now, and they're going to be there all week. And I had it broke my heart to tell them that I wasn't coming. But uh, it, it, there are people who love this game uh, a lot. But it is going to be – if you're in the stadium, it is going to be weird. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of people are going down the, the, the whole Sea Island group, you know, all those kind of people, Amelia yep. Island, and they're going to go – and they're not going to the game. They, they can't get into the game, so they're just going to watch it on TV and and – because this is their vacation. This is one one reason why every time the Florida Georgia is going to move rumor comes up, I always go, you got to remember all those people <laughs> that that live in South Georgia and all those people that that want a vacation there. They're not they're not going to let it move. Yeah, I mean, my guys, my guys are are down there uh, staying in the same condo where we always stay uh, near Sawgrass Country Club, uh, eating in the same restaurants. Uh, that we always eat. It's just it's it's a tradition, and it's a chance that we all get together. And the, I mean, it's it's nice that there's a game. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but really, people go because it, it, there's a lot. The the game is important, but there's a lot of other stuff that's really important too. Yeah. Before we talk a little bit about Florida Georgia game, uh, I wanted to talk about where we are in the SEC. Um, and it is kind of a weird deal as well because you're looking at a Florida team that's only played four games. You know, Clemson's already played seven games. The Pac-12 hasn't started yet. Um, so, so it's – I wouldn't want to be on the committee this year. It is going to be an eventful experience to be on the committee. But this, more than anything, Pat, is, is why there needs to be a committee. You know, when they were talking about, well, how are you going to – no, no. Pick a committee and let them sort it all out. Don't sit there and worry about well, you got to play this many games and that many. No, let the committee sort it all out. And they're going to have they're going to have some tough decisions to make. Uh, my belief is that you're going to have the SEC champ, ACC champ, and Ohio State better than everybody in the Big Ten. Uh, the, those three are pretty much locks. Uh, the, the big the argument and ninety percent of the discussion will be about who's number four. Yeah, and that's where the winner of this game kind of takes a, its place in in that argument. The loser says, "Well, it, w- it was nice to it, we're ready for the Outback yep. Bowl." <laughs> that's right. No, that's that's exactly right. And and you know both both Florida and Georgia in a, in, a, in a position they can win this game and get to Atlanta and find a way to beat Alabama. That'll be hard, but you got a shot. And that team, and you beat Alabama and Atlanta, you're in the playoffs. The, the argument then becomes: Is Alabama still get in uh, at ten and one? That's assuming they went out. So it's uh, no. This is a uh, like a lot of Florida Georgia games. This is a uh, winner winner advances, and the loser, as you said, gets ready for the Outback Bowl. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Somebody referred to me. Uh, I was on a talk show today, and somebody referred to Florida as Alabama light offensively. And, and uh, because Alabama is so incredible, I mean, they lose Waddle and they they don't miss a beat. 
Uh, I don't know if the defense is coming around. It's it's really hard to tell when you play. Like, it's hard to tell if you play Mississippi State's offense or LSU's defense whether you're any good at those two things. <laughs> no. <laughs> because no, everybody's no. good against LSU's defense and everybody's good against Mississippi State's offense. No, that, no that's exactly right. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be – I think we're going to learn a lot about Georgia and Florida in this game. Uh, you know, Florida's got its issues on defense. Georgia obviously has its issues on offense, particularly a quarterback. Uh, but somebody's got to win the game, and it's going to be interesting to see who can uh, 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 take care of their strengths, maximize their strength, and minimize their weaknesses. Are, are you surprised that Alabama is as good as they are this year offensively with Mac Jones, with losing Waddle? With the guys they lost to the pros, and they're they're just mowing people down, including Georgia, which is, you know, the the defense that it, that everybody thought would would be able to stop them. Well, I, I picked I picked Alabama to win the national championship in July, so I guess I can't say I'm totally surprised. But you know, when you lose two first round draft choices at wide receiver, uh, and then you lose your best wide receiver, one of the most dynamic players in college football, and Waddle. You just think there's going to be a drop-off, and there's not. I mean, Devontae Smith steps up. Uh, John Melty steps up. And they've got uh, Bolden, another guy. So they And it, the key to Alabama, Pat, is that Mac Jones, who we thought was a good but not elite kind of quarterback, has turned out to be an exceptional quarterback. He throws as good a deep ball as anybody in the game right now. And he gets, he knows how to get the ball to his, uh, to his playmakers. And then if you want to play small ball, Alabama's got a, a road grader of an offensive line and Najee Harris. Yeah. I mean, so that, that's just, they can beat you. They, Alabama can beat you any way they want to beat you. And that's what makes them so hard. Georgia, there's really only one way that Georgia can beat you. That's playing defense and running the ball and getting some turnovers. But uh, Alabama can beat you any way they please. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Kyle Trask set the record uh, for the most touchdowns in SEC history in the first four games of the season, and he really has very little shot at being the All SEC quarterback when they get because Mac Jones is going to have that thing locked up by the time they get there. So it uh, well, it really is amazing how well he's done. Well, think about this: in the history of the University of Alabama, only nine times has a quarterback thrown for over 400 yards in a game. He's got three of them. Tua's got three of them, okay? And he came within 13 yards of posting four straight 400-yard games, but Saban pulled him because he had just lost Waddle and he wanted to get his quarterback out of the game. But he almost had four straight 400-yard passing games, and Alabama's only got nine in the history of the school. That's pretty amazing. Uh, it really is. Uh, all right, so let's talk a little Florida-Georgia. To me, it comes down to one thing, uh, and that is Florida stopping the run. If Florida stops the run, Georgia yeah. can't win. If Florida doesn't stop the run, I don't think Florida can win. Right. No, I, I, w- I would totally agree with that because you know Georgia's defense. Uh, Georgia's defense will suffocate you. They will not let you run the ball. You've got to throw over the top. And uh, with Georgia losing their best defensive back, uh, it, that that is a vulnerability. They're they're concerned about that. Uh, but yeah, if Georgia can run the football, then they can dictate the they can dictate the game. Uh, St- uh, Bennett, 
I went, uh, Bennett doesn't have to throw. Stetson Bennett doesn't have to throw the ball. They throw the ball when they want to throw the ball off a, off a play-action pass after they set up the run. And, yeah, and if Georgia can't run the ball, they can't win the game. You're exactly right. You know, we knew coming into this year there were, it was going to be different, but there are some things that have happened in this conference, Tony, that just – and LSU's defense is one of them, and and Mike Leach yep. lighting up LSU in the opener, and then not scoring. I think they've scored two offensive touchdowns since then, um, <laughs> yeah. which is incredible. He's got a he's got a mutiny on his hands, you know, with, with guys opting out and leaving and getting out of there. Kentucky, I can't figure Kentucky out at all. And then of course Auburn, Auburn when you when you're ready to dismiss Gus Malzahn. They go out and play like they did Saturday. You know, you just never know what you're going to get out of those guys. I told some of my Georgia friends, I said, you better be glad you played Auburn early because they're starting to figure some things out. And what they figured out is they they can, if they run the ball and don't ask Bo Nix to throw it 40 times a game, they're much better off. Also, the the defense, which has struggled early, has awoken – and they just absolutely embarrassed uh, LSU. And so, and the thing about LSU is we didn't expect them to be really, really good, but we didn't expect them to be bad. And right now, Pat, they're bad. Yeah, I mean, do you, you think Bo Pelini survives this his one year back at LSU? I don't. I don't see how because they're they're not stopping anybody. Uh, no. I mean, they're just not. Uh, and I don't know if it's scheme or if it's players. Scott Rabelais, who covers them. Uh, for the Baton Rouge Morning Advocate says it's been a real tough culture change for them being used to winning. Maybe it, it, that's part of it, but uh, put it this way. If you look at the rest of LSU's season, they got a week off. They play Alabama, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Florida. I don't see a whole lot of wins in that stretch for them. No, you know all the you know we all the talk about and everybody's bowl eligible. There's only 34 bowls now. That's as we speak. You know it's already been yep. reduced to that. I, I got news for you, LSU. You're not going to a bowl. You know, I, 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 it, it's just not. People aren't going to say, yeah, we like that three and seven LSU team. We're <laughs> we're gonna mm. we're gonna take them in. But it it does seem almost surreal to have so much success one year and so little success the next year. Yeah, and before the season, I may have said this on your show, is that from a, from, from a talent standpoint, I'm talking about playing talent and coaching talent. From a talent standpoint, I've never seen a national champion lose as much talent as LSU lost. Now, you expect, just like you expect for programs like Alabama and Georgia to where you sort of reload. And we expected LSU to reload. And, you know, be, you know, eight or nine win team, something like that. Be, be yeah. competitive and figure some things out. But they, they've just, from the, from the day one, they've just been, they've been bad. They ran all over South Carolina, and that's it. I mean, that's really it. Well, that's because South Carolina played good the week before. And they can't play good yep. two weeks in a row. It's impossible. It's something in the DNA of, of their head coach. Uh, I'm not going to get into any any name calling. All right. Uh, he is Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. We appreciate him coming on the Duly Noted Podcast. We'll be right back with more here at Gatorsports.com. Oh, 
Okay, so um, I will talk a lot more about the Florida-Georgia game on Thursday. Um, and what I see is is how it's going to go down and how it, it may go down. And, of course, we don't – you never know. Um, it's funny because there are games – there have been a lot of games for some reason. I maybe it's I'm because get, I'm getting old with the Gators, you know. Getting old with the Gators that'd be a good song. Getting old with the Gators, um, where I just I go into the game thinking I don't know about this game for Florida. I can see I you know like you can see that path to losing, and then they blow them out. Remember Tennessee last year? I was all nervous about that game. I was. I thought this was going to be. This was not going to go well, and when Kyle Trask threw that pick six, of course it was wasn't his fault. His offensive line didn't get it get it done there. But when he threw that, I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. Um. So I'm not going to worry about games like that anymore. It, it doesn't mean I'm not, you know, and that nobody should. Everybody should be worried about this Georgia game. Georgia's got a good team. They've, and this is something I've talked about on several talk shows uh, this week already. Georgia's got better players than Florida. Now, they've recruited better. They've got there is a little bit of a talent gap there. the 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 key is Florida's got a much better quarterback. We know that. I think Florida's got a better coach. Um, but but again, Kirby's. Kirby's expertise is defense, not offense. So uh, their defense is is great. Now their defense against Alabama, not so good. Um, and they were able to pressure uh, Stetson Bennett, and we'll see what happens. We'll see. I'm curious to see whether they do something with the quarterback situation. Do they have a a package for Dewan Mathis? Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to go all. F- Faton Bauta on on Florida that year was that year was unbelievable when you know they decided to make a change at quarterback and go to a guy I hadn't really played and um, they want to surprise Florida with it because the guy's more mobile and they can run some some different stuff option stuff and and running quarterback stuff and uh, unfortunately he tells his high school coach and he tells the world and so now Florida's getting able to get ready for him and didn't go well for Mark Rick that day. It was the end of his, really it was the end of his career when, when he did that. I think people were fed up with him. They were just, they'd had enough of him. And sometimes that you get fatigue. A guy can be a really good coach, but not take you to the mountaintop. And you kind of say, let's just try something else. And, and then when you do, maybe it doesn't always work out. Sometimes it goes the other way. You, you even get worse. Obviously, that hadn't happened with Kirby Smart. He's done a heck of a job. You got to give him a lot of credit. I mean, he was one play away from winning a national championship already, and um, you know, won the East three years in a row. So, give him, give him, I give Kirby Smart a lot of credit. He's a good coach. There's no question about it. But I like Dan Mullen a lot in terms of uh, game day coaching, on the field coaching. He, this has not been his finest hour, however, the Florida Georgia game uh, last year. Seemed to coach a little tight. You know, it's funny. I need to go back and watch that game again because I think after that game, you know, you write your stuff and you go home and you don't 
you know, I'm not going to sit there and, and watch Florida lose to Georgia. Okay? I'm not going to watch a tape of it. I'm just not. I deleted it. But now I need to go back and watch it. Be- and I'm, I'm sure I could find it pretty easily. Because there's a lot of that game I don't even remember uh, exactly what happened. I remember the fourth down play. I remember last year they had problem with the um, wristbands that had the plays on them. Somebody, they had, I, I don't know, somewhere in their, their administrative issues, um, some of them, they didn't match up. So guys were getting the wrong plays. And, and Mullen lost his mind over that. Finally, he just got to a point where he just, I, I think they, they couldn't even call plays based on the, the, the wristbands. So I don't think that'll happen. I think, I think the fact that they did have that time off probably helped them prepare for Georgia. But look, there's only so much you can do. This defense is really talented, even with the guys they've lost. They're really good. They run fast. They're big. They're strong. When I watch them play some of their games this year, and including the Kentucky game, but Kentucky, Kentucky stinks on ice on offense. It's it's terrible. But they are really good. I mean, Alabama's got the skills. They got the players. They got the quarterback. They got the offensive line to handle them. And I think that's where a lot of Gator fans feel like, hey. Our offense is pretty good too, and um, that'll be look. There, there are several keys, and I'll talk about them on Thursday. Right now, I want to talk a little bit about the the other games in the SEC this week. And obviously, as Tony and I were talking, LSU and uh, Auburn was just unbelievable to watch. It was unbelievable to sit there and watch it, and you know that Auburn was all of a sudden this great offense. You know, whenever you count out Gus Malzahn, he bounces back and does something like that. Destroys the defending national champs. Well, I don't know. I think we're at the point now where we're not going to call them defending national champs anymore because that was last year with a lot of different players. And I know that most coaches hate it when you call them defending national champs because they're not defending anything. It's a different team and everything. But I don't know that... Like Tony said, I, I, there's ever been that big of a turnover, but still, there is no excuse for that team playing defense the way they're playing. There's no way Bo Pelini can survive his one-year return to Baton Rouge. I mean, there, just no way. I mean, look, I'm telling you, Ed Ogeron, um, look, is still beloved. He just won a national title, one of the greatest teams to ever play the game. No question about it. He deserves a lot of credit. But you don't have to be that far removed from it to uh, to be in trouble if you do things like keep Bo Pelini around. He needs to go get somebody else. It seemed like a good fit. It seemed like a, Bo Pelini knew, knows LSU. He'd been there. But it clearly was not a good, good uh, decision in any way. Um, Alabama shutting out Mike Leach. What a disaster um, that has become! And look, I think Mississippi State fans will sit here and tell you, look, things have not gone the way we hoped they would go. After the first game, we thought, wow, this is gonna, this is all gonna work in the SEC. And then since then, it has not worked at all. 
and uh, to be shut out for the first time in his life, uh, certainly humbling for Mike Leach. And um, they aren't uh, they aren't very good on offense. I mean, they're they're pretty bad. And guys are leaving. You know, obviously Kylan Hill leaving was huge. He's clearly not happy with what's going on out there. So they've got a cultural issue as well. We'll see. Now, a lot of people say, look, everywhere he's gone, it's taken him – the first year has been a struggle, and he's got to kind of instill his beliefs and the way he wants to do things. The SEC, there's no guarantee you can get it back. You can – that just because, you okay, we struggled this year. You know, ask Chad Morris how that worked out. I mean, I just – I don't know that they're going to be able to recruit to that situation, to be honest with you. We'll see how that goes. But again, Alabama, very impressive. Um, they they will be heavy favorites in every game they play, including the one next week on my birthday. Come on, man! On my birthday, Florida's got to play a seven o'clock game. That's just not right. They should be playing a eleven a.m. game so I can get all done with work and watch football all day. That's that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, so anyway, uh, A&M beating Arkansas. Uh, A&M's a good football team. I think they're way better than I thought they were going into the Florida game and certainly coming out of it. I, you know, I think I felt like that was a really good football team and obviously Florida defensively at the time we felt like was abysmal, but they just have kept it going. The thing is, and this is going to be the interesting thing to me, is if A&M's able, you know, with the one loss to Alabama, able to go 9-1. and one. Um, You know, where do they fit in the college football playoff? They have one loss, and it's to Alabama. If it's to 11-0 Alabama, obviously they aren't going to be able to play in the championship game. A&M could very easily end up being in the college football playoff. You could have two SEC teams. could be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Texas A&M very easily. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see that happen because I don't know who's going to beat them left on their schedule. be interesting to watch. Uh, If you watch the Georgia-Kentucky game, it was hard to watch. It looked like early Georgia was going to roll over them, and then they they just couldn't get anything going offensively, and a bunch of guys got hurt. And – 14-3, 14-3, to three, not exactly overwhelming. And then, of course, Ole Miss destroys uh, Vanderbilt. I, you know, I, we talked about this during the summer, and whether Vanderbilt at some point might just opt out completely and just their whole team just go, you know, we don't want to go 0-10. We just – we'll see you guys. We're good. We're good. I don't know. I don't know. I, I – you know, when they had that opening game, don't forget that first game against Texas A&M, 17-12 was a final, I believe, right? And you're like, hey, Vandy, you know, hung in there with them. I th- Vandy, I thought they might – that quarterback looks pretty good. And now they just are getting destroyed. They scored only seven points against LSU. LSU! I think we all could – we could get a group together of our of the listeners of this podcast and score more than seven against LSU. So it's not going well up there in lovely Vanderbilt um, or Nashville. 
Uh, by the way, the the Heisman odds came out, and again, I I don't I nobody votes on the Heisman right now, okay? But you still you you pay attention. You're kind of like, hmm. And I was like, Trevor Lawrence seemed like a lock, and now he doesn't because of this missing two games because of COVID. In fact, the biggest game of the year he's going to miss. So you look at what he's got left. Don't forget if they just just say they win. With the uh, with their other quarterback, I never mind. I'm not even going to try that name. Of course, it took me a long time to get Tunga Valoa correct. I finally got that, so I'll get it eventually. And they go to eight. No, they've only got three games left uh, for him to, and, and then the championship game. But there's nobody left that, to play that's really anything special. I, I thought he was going to win the, the Heisman. Now I now I don't. To be honest with you. I think Justin Fields is going to end up winning it. Mac Jones is going to put up unbelievable numbers, but there are going to be a lot of people that go, oh, yeah, well, I could too. Those receivers, that offensive line, that system, I could do that. I think it is time for me to get, before my voice gives out, it's not used to talking this much. It's time for three things. Number one, speaking of Tua, I, uh, I, it was weird to, for his first start that I was like, oh gosh, what time is it? What time is it? Well, you know, I was actually looking forward to it. Then I watched the game and I, he didn't do really do anything in the game, uh, but the Dolphins won and, you know, they would have probably won in a blowout if Fitzpatrick had started, to be honest with you. But a pretty cool story that the family got to go see Talia start for Maryland and get a win and then go see Tua start and get the win, his first win. They both got their first wins. That's a really cool story. And I, I don't know what it is about Tua. I am I am such a big fan of his, and I can't really explain why. I just – dealing with him at SEC Media Days, uh, I like the way he plays the game. I like the way he came back uh, from his first injury. I You know, I just am a big – to a fan for some reason. Um, now, if he was a Cowboys quarterback, I wouldn't be his fan. I don't even know who their quarterback is, to be honest with you. I saw his name. Da, is it Da Vinci? Is it, I don't even know who he is. I just don't like the Cowboys. All right, number two. John Lester became my favorite pitcher, and he was, he was when he was with the Red Sox. I loved him, but, of course, with the Cubs – Things didn't work out, but they were really they uh, let him go, um, and he went around. He told um, his uh, buddies, not his buddies, but anybody, any fans, come to these four bars tonight, and I'll buy you. I'll, I'll pick up your tab. Tab ended up being forty seven k, forty seven k, including tip, and the tips were unbelievable. I can't. You know, when I see things like that, I'm just I think about the workers and the people who are at these bars or restaurants, and when we've seen some of these uh, athletes leave these giant tips, and just how it change it can change their lives. You know, I you know it may be their car payment for the the whole year. They they may be able to go get a new car. They, you know, I think people with money should do more of that. There's some people that won't tip, believe it or not. Some superstar athletes that won't tip. 
But to see what John Lester did, I think he's now my favorite pitcher next to Greg Maddox. All right, and number three, congrats to Brian Gay. It's funny because I didn't even realize he was in contention at the uh, golf tournament this week, the Bermuda tournament. And uh, I didn't really pay any any attention to golf because, you know, you look at the leaderboard and I'm like, eh, nah, don't care, don't care, don't care, don't care, don't care. And so I didn't even know. And then all of a sudden it, it flashed that Brian Gay won. And I was so happy. He won a playoff. Uh, Brian Gay's got as many wins as Ricky Fowler. Think about that, five. Uh, such a good guy, and uh, he's been he's been a good friend too. Uh, I texted him afterwards, and uh, I just told him how proud I was and how happy I was. And I know that, for example, I think last year he made seven hundred grand, which is it's a lot of money. But when you consider the expenses of golf and everything, um, it's that's not what you're looking for. And, we're, and everybody's thinking he's just trying to get to the senior tour. If he can somehow get there, maybe he can make a little bit of money there. Whatever, whatever Phil leaves him. Um, but he made seven hundred grand just for that tournament, so that certainly is is great news for uh, that. But it's fun. It was fun to it's fun to have other people to root for on the PGA Tour or on the in, in professional golf, other than Billy Horschel, who's who's I, I consider him to be a a good friend. But you, he can't win every week. You know, I need more people to root for, and hopefully, we as JC Deacon continues to build that program, there'll be more players to root for. But uh, these are all buddy guys, you know, um, and including uh, obviously uh, Billy and uh, and Brian both. So anyway, good for him. I'm I'm really happy for him. That's going to do it for the Duly Noted Podcast this week. I appreciate everybody for listening again. Sorry I couldn't be there for you last week. Uh, you you might have gotten worried about the Missouri game, though, so think about it. I saved you anxiety. I will uh, be back Thursday with another one. Uh, again, thanks to Tony Barnhart. Until next time, Pat Dooley. I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here.